0: Hello and welcome to Inspiration Boulevard, the podcast where we discuss the creativity and brilliance that exists within the field of mental health. I'm your host, Alan Hyde, and I am joined here today by fellow colleague and ex-classmate in our master's program, Serena McCormick. Hello, Serena.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah. I know we were just chatting up a storm before we started here, but why don't we just kind of pick back up with you know, what inspired you to, to become a therapist and you're a mommy as well, a mommy of two. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I work with a lot of mommies and I'm always inspired just from the standpoint of like, that is a lot going on to be a support for people, but also a support for your own family.
1: It is a lot going on. Yeah. So those are two separate parts of my life that you touched on, you know, where I, um, First, got inspired to become a therapist, and that goes back to undergrad. So, my undergrad is actually in nutrition, and I got my bachelor's of science at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Okay. And I seriously had no thought of being a therapist at that time, I didn't even really know much about therapy. Um, but I was towards the end of my schooling there, and I remember distinctly being in a class and sitting and learning and memorizing information about um, like sanitation of kitchens and um, measuring cup units and things like that. And I was like, I, I don't really wanna have to keep this information in my brain.
0: <laughs>
1: and yeah, I was like, this isn't really driving for me. And, and then I took nutrition counseling And that started to hit a chord of something that I, I really liked the flavor of Um, the idea of sitting with somebody one-on-one connection, helping somebody um, make a change in their life. I really liked that. But even in nutrition counseling, I was like, this is just kind of scratching the surface. I know there's so much more to diet or eating or eating disorders and, I want to look more into that. So that was kind of the inspiration that set me on the path of looking into what counseling was, what therapy was, how to become a therapist. And um, that sort of ended me up in grad school.
0: Isn't it a trip? Like, uh, you know, just having some of our, our past classmates and, and you were touching on that, just kind of hearing some of their podcasts. And like, we've all got these, these little um, interesting stories that drove us in the direction of therapy where it's like. I didn't grow up and, and have this like in the background. I was on a baseball field, you know? I, yeah. I wasn't thinking like, I, I want to go and be a therapist. And then one day it just, it hit and then it stuck. And then it became the passion. It's very yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah. It's like all of a sudden finding the right fit that you can just settle into. Yeah.
0: So you, you mentioned kind of the nutrition side of things. Is that kind of the direction you see yourself headed in the field is kind of working with uh, people on like navigating the nutrition but as well as like taking care of their bodies and and kind of the implications of where that intersects with mental health is that the direction to yourself or somewhere different
1: i somewhere different i mean i i do hold that still as a very special place in my heart and part of my background but as i evolved in going into the field and then what we've learned and um just my understanding of where to really help people it's evolved. And so for me, a lot of my drive and desire is to work with couples Okay. because I just see family units as like a really foundational and fundamental part of change in the world. And even within a family unit, I believe that like parents and couples, Can have such a big impact on their children. And so, a lot of what we do as a therapist, you know, as we go back and we work with childhood wounds, attachment issues, things like that. And so, I kind of like, well, I want to go to the source of the issue, kind of, you know, like if we can have healthy couples raising healthy children, that's going to relieve a lot of mental health issues and just help create really strong people in the world. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I I really like that perspective because, you know, I think that's, it it sheds a lot of light and kind of what we were talking about off the podcast of like shedding light on what it is that we actually do in this field. And I I think being able to put some words to, you know, that we kind of look at the, well, we directly look at those dynamics or at least how I know you and I were trained in in our schooling of like those attachments, but also the dynamics of the family and, and couples, right? Once we take those dynamics into a relationship. and and really trying to sort through holding those boundaries and figuring out how to navigate relationships. It's just, it's such a wonderful, I think thing that you're, you're putting words to. And I I would love to hear more because I think this is, this is information that people are craving right now. To like how do we navigate these relationships and how do we heal our society?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even in marriage, you, you know, being married, I find you are sort of working through some of your own um, relational issues that you have from even your parents. Even if you have great parents, no person is perfect, right? right? No person is supposed to be perfect. And so there's really a lot of opportunity to, you know, in working with couples to work through those issues that they have between the two of them. But then you also get to do some of that work that heals maybe part of their past maybe part of some, some wounds that aren't even obvious to them uh, by working in the present. So I think that's a really beautiful thing too.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and I I like that invitation that you give just, you know, for those who are listening, it's like, none of us are supposed to be perfect. That that was, that was something I, you know, took a long time for me to learn that lesson. Yeah. I think I I didn't fully understand that until I walked into the rooms of Al-Anon. Um, you know, coming mm-hmm. from an alcoholic home, it's like, I didn't, I never had to be perfect. That wasn't the, that wasn't the goal or the objective I should be shooting for, you know? And so I like that, that invitation of, we, we don't have to be perfect. And that some of these present time experiences, especially when you have like a couple in a therapy session, right? To be able to look at these things in the present and see like, where, where are these dynamics, not just getting us into trouble, but where do they start and, and yeah. how can we heal some of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for people listening, the work that we do in the present and the changes that we make in the present and the way that we shift our responses to the present actually heals the past. Mm. And so I I just feel that is such a valuable thing for people to know and understand as well.
0: Yeah, you know it's my my therapist, and bless her heart, she's such a wonderful human. Um, she always breaks down for me that uh, when two or more people come together, whether that's like at work or in a friendship or in a relationship, when those two people come together, it's it's kind of that unconscious drive to recreate, to heal, right? To attempt yeah. to heal the yeah. patterns that kind of were created in the wounds in our family of origin, right? So we're either trying to refill our role within that or recreate it or someone in the system is, and, and it can cause a lot of chaos, and so I just, I, I think it's so important, right, as, you know, just knowing you over the years as well, and, and just knowing the heart that you have, and, and the human that you are, that there are people like you willing to, to walk with people, and help them navigate, you know, these, these situations that can become tumultuous, that really are, you know, like you were saying, a lot of it's unconscious, we just got to gain some awareness, and, and figure out a to piece these puzzles together.
1: Yeah, yeah to look at the what's bugging me right now. And then let's look at the why. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: When well, you, you mentioned a moment ago that, uh, you know, being married, <clears throat> and I would imagine this, this makes right to a, to a degree, right. This is your experience, right. Your expert right. Is that you you're married, right. And you have two children and, yep. you know, kind of a, kind of a segue here. And I know we were, we're touching on therapy, we're touching on personal life, but, if you could shed light on that, because I, I know a lot of people either are becoming new mommies or becoming new daddies, or I have a buddy who's in, in our old master's program right now who's becoming a dad and had his first child. And I have a, another best friend, I, you, you listen to his podcast, who just became a dad. And I think it's important to hear like that perspective, too, from you being a second time mommy and, and also killing the game in the field. I'd love to kind of hear some experience on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe. um could I get a little more clarification of like what you want me to share on that?
0: Yeah. Just kind of your, your experience in that, how you're balancing, right? Are you juggling the babies? Like do, do you toss them up in the air and then pick up the phone or how, how are you navigating? You know, cause you're also doing the social media stuff, you know, and I think there's, there's so much in, in being able to balance these things and walk with people in their lives and just kind of how you've found that balance. Right. So for those, how
1: do I do it all?
0: Yes. Yes. yes.
1: How do I do it all? Very in small increments, I would say that way. You know, I've seen you have become licensed. I've seen a lot of our fellow classmates have become licensed. I'm not licensed yet. I'm still chugging away at those 3000 hours. I'm still an associate. And so um, I, I gave myself that I gave myself time. And I allowed myself to say, okay, I don't have to rush through and get licensed because I was what, like three months pregnant when we graduated. So I went straight from grad school to starting our family, you know, and then, and then continuing. So since then, and so I just cut myself some slack and gave myself some grace and said, okay, I can work really part time and, and that's going to be what will make this work. So I can still be mom and figure this thing out. And still stay fresh in my field and stay current and still stay active. And I, and also part of it is I married a really great partner. He is really good at, um, he is a big reason I'm in this field. He supported me, you know, in going into grad school and, you know, pursuing this, And he has been an advocate for me ever since, you know, he's hanging out with the kids even right now. And I was like, are you sure? Is it okay? And he's like, yeah, it's, you know, this is your thing and I support you. And so that has really fueled me along the way too. Um, He has, I've worked on the weekends so he can hang with the kids. Um, I work in the evening so he can hang with the kids. You know, my, my mom helps with babysitting. We pay for childcare, you know, we do what we need to to make that work. And, um, and yeah, I would say I just do it in small bits. Like right now I'm working one or two days a week as opposed to, you know, that wouldn't even be really part-time. Um, and so I'm, I just, I'm doing it that way so I can really be a mom and I can really be a wife. I can really be myself because when I'm those things, I'm a better therapist.
0: For sure. For sure. You know, and, and just, I, I think cause we all have that like experience, I think in any field, right? Where it's like the family starts and it it creates and poses that new um, dynamic of there's a lot to balance here. And so I think just just being able to hear that, right? Like, you know, I I know how important it was for me to find people like, as I was becoming a therapist that, you know, had very similar backgrounds and they made it right And 3000 hours, it's no joke. Right. It's and, and there's distinctions on how to do those 3000 hours and what types of hours you need. And then on top of that, to, to have a growing family. And you know, I think it's just a testament. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and even with the stuff you talk about on your social media, it's a testament to if you love it and it's what you want to do with your life. There's always a route to do it. Right? There's oh, always yeah. a way to do it. And I, I like that you mentioned that. Right. Like just the small increments, taking those little steps.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the, there's such a reward feedback for us as therapists. It's such a rewarding job to get to be in such an intimate place in a person's life and help them and see them grow. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a really cool job that we get to do.
0: I, bra- I, you know, I try, I try not to brag about it a lot, but like, you know, when I'm talking to people that I love about what I love to do, it's hard not to say that, you know, like, like I feel very blessed, you know, to have found myself in a field where there's fulfillment to be found every day, yeah. you know, and, and it's in the little things, like as you were talking about like taking it in increments, like you get to walk alongside people who are learning what that actually means and looks like for them. And like, Mm -hmm. active pursuit of that in their life and it's Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not convinced there's anything more beautiful than that when you start to see someone grow right and see them grow through even the slips when they fall forward and it's just it's a beautiful thing
1: yes and anyone who has kids and I can say this because I have kids it's sort of like watching your kids grow it's that type of like awe and amazement to see like when your kid learns to do something new, it's like, oh, that's so cool. Did you see that? And I almost get that similar kind of sense when working with a client. And you can probably attest to this too, Alan, of like, when you see them grow, come to new self-awareness, break free of things in their life that they have been trying to break free from or grow out of or um, whatever, but you see them arrive and do those things on their own. It's almost like you just get to witness it. Yeah. And it just brings this like, oh, wow, they did it. They're yeah. doing it.
0: yeah. It's, it's hard to explain. There, there's like these little moments of, the, you know, it's like the aha moment, you know, and, and yeah. like when, when, when you're in your own personal therapy and you have one of those and you're like, oh, my God. I just, mm-hmm. I like, are these the keys to the kingdom? And mm-hmm. to watch someone have that moment. Right. And, and like you were saying, like to walk alongside them and just bear witness to it. It's I think the whole point of like doing this podcast is letting people know that that's what's that's what the invitation is. That's what's yep. in there waiting for you. It's yep. not in there. It, you know, I, I think like how you see it in social media or you see it on, um, you know, like all the movies and shows. It's like this like vilified, like someone's telling me what I have to do with my life. Like I'm not I'm not the expert of your life. I'm here to, to witness what it is that you're walking in and, and give some guidance, sure, and be as direct as I can when, I, when you're clearly telling me that it was a dumb decision. I'll do that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know? I'm going to yeah. bear witness to what it is that you are doing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Wasn't it one of our professors who said it was like, we are the cast around a broken bone and we just kind of create the environment where the bone can heal itself. And it's like maybe there's a little realignment that needs to happen and we can help with that. But otherwise we just kind of create a space where they get to grow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is that is that anyone exciting or important? Should we answer it and say, oh. well, <laughs> sorry.
1: <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no worries. No worries. The more the merrier. <laughs> yeah. I, I I can't remember, you know, because I, I remember all like those little lessons, right? Where like back then and cindy touched on this in the last podcast too or it was like uh and it might have been the post conversation where we were kind of just talking about like how important it is to like us as developing professionals to do this for those who are coming behind us to remind of those lessons because i, I remember hearing that like little things like that like that we're providing the environment or that we're there to bear witness and i didn't understand that back then you know mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it's I think it was Cindy was touching on the difference in, in the, the learned experience in the classroom and then application in the field. And then you've you got a live person in front of you and it's a wild yeah. experience.
1: Yeah, it is, it's wild. Yeah.
0: So how old are your kids?
1: Uh, 18 months, 17 months. Yeah, 17 months is my little boy and three years old is my little girl. She'll be four That's in October.
0: It's been that long.
1: It's been that long
0: goodness. I, you know, Andrew and I were talking about that, like how, how quickly this, this whole life thing
1: progresses. It just goes. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. It's cool though. Have yeah. you guys been, um, like getting out recently? I know with the shutdowns and having two small ones, you know, it must've been a wild ride there too.
1: Yeah. You know, honestly, having little kids that might kid's age, lockdown is fairly easy to tolerate because I'm working with naps. So I'm home a lot anyways for naps. And I'm working with kids who are happy and content to play at home. They don't really notice, hey, why aren't we going out today? It's like, let's see what new activity, you know, maybe I can put in front of them to change things up. But otherwise, they're happy to just chill at home. And so In that aspect, I feel lucky to have had young kids during lockdown. I couldn't imagine, you know, being single or I don't know. There's just a lot of loneliness that could have come. But for me, I kept busy pretty much all day, every day, chasing those little kids around. Yeah. And well, so- you know,
0: and I guess, I guess that's where I can I can speak to some, I, the being the expert on being single at the moment. But, <laughs> you know, I, it it really is part of that conversation. It's where I talk to a lot of clients too about um, just the importance of staying involved in the community and thankfully I had, you know, Alan on and, and was able to stay connected to my, fe- my fellowship there and Zoom has been a wonderful tool. But yeah. uh, that concept, I mean, just staying connected, right, and, and how prevalent loneliness has become and has led to some pretty serious mental health implications, right? Like uh, that was a huge surge. That was huge. a huge boom because of this.
1: Huge. And you know, I went into this, I switched over, you know, with my caseload, my clients, we switched over to virtual such se- sessions and they hung out, hung on tight. They, um, they all stayed on throughout. And I was grateful to have that bit of normalcy and that bit of, um, I don't know, just really uh, accountability to keep myself healthy mentally through this so that I could show up for them. And, um, and yeah, I, I had that sense of like, oh gosh, this is bringing us all to a really fragile place, you know, this yeah. constant stress and uncertainty. And so I was glad to be there for my clients and had a sense like, okay where's the wave? We're going to have a lot more people come in forward, hopefully to get yeah. some help with all of that has come up during lockdown. Yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed a surge, if you've gotten more calls or
0: yeah, my, <clears throat> well, it was part of like what I was telling you off the podcast. So like my private practice it, it doubled uh, yeah. and I have a small private practice, but for, for me, okay. like I, I don't put any like marketing dollars into it. It's kind yeah. of like a side passion because I, you know, I pursue a lot of different things and, um, yeah. And there were just, there were some people who were the perfect fit, you know, for, for my caseload. And some people had referred in my direction, um, and it doubled, you know, and, and what's interesting for me is I, you know, I treat probably 95 in my practice, like 95% males and it's pretty rare for, for males. Um, you know, and it's not non-existent, but it's pretty rare for males to step into therapy and especially, mm-hmm. you know, when they're pre 12 steps, you know, or, or they're early mm-hmm. 12 steps. And that's kind of a specialty. I, I, I supported, uh, male clients in their initial pursuit of the 12 step recovery kind of model. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun to just focus on that in my private practice and it's, it's right in my wheelhouse. It's what I know I'm good at. Um, and, and at the same time, right. It, I, I don't put a lot of effort into bringing people in over there because it'll grow organically and not a lot of men come into therapy. And when this lockdown happened, I got a ton more uh, in- inquiries. And I think, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, they were talking about it from the standpoint of one of the trains I was listening to of like when 9-11 happened, this will have reverberations for, from this point forward, um, yeah. you know, and, and, I had a conversation on the podcast with, with uh, Sarah Carmona and we talked about just kind of the, and you've been touching on this as well, Serena, it's like the beauty of being able to be in this position right, as, as a, a wounded healer, uh, as I like to refer to myself, mm-hmm. and to be able to, to be there for people as they are navigating in this direction and seeking people who care. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It it does feel like a, a real honor to be able to kind of catch people in this vulnerable place that the whole world literally is in. Yeah, Yeah. I'm really grateful for the people who've laid the groundwork to start normalizing therapy and get it out there. And I think that's where, like you're saying, you saw an influx and I've seen an influx. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I I feel that it's the word is out there a little bit more that therapy is a good thing that it's, it's not bad. It's just, another form of coaching and tutoring and aid and, and right. it's well to be utilized.
0: Right. This is another tool, another skill. And, you know, it, it's so interesting, like, how much of a like non-threatening and supportive environment it is that it's caught such a stigma. It fascinates me. Like I, I think about it often, like how do we unravel this? And I think you touched on it when you were saying like kind of some of the, the directions you're going is that I think as a whole in society, there's a need for the healing of the system. Right. And that starts with the families, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially yeah. when we're all locked in one house with each other. these yeah. days. <laughs> Perfect opportunity.
1: Uh-huh, perfect opportunity. Yeah, for sure.
0: So you you guys have been been doing well over there in quarantine and and sounds like handling it really well.
1: And yeah, doing. I mean it definitely has its highs and lows for sure and the stress. My husband has been working throughout, you know, and is an essential worker in the construction world and that industry has still been going and so um in that terms it's like okay a lot of that has felt normal Uh, you know personally there wasn't any huge major shift in our household just the felt shift in the world around us
0: yeah you know it's so interesting too because like you know working in a field like ours and and for your husband as well like when we're essential it was a real I don't want to say challenge but like part of in the beginning was realizing like, I, I have a lot to be thankful for. You know, I'm still working every day. You know, mm-hmm. these individuals still need support every day. And, and although like my call to action is the same when I roll out of bed as it was pre pandemic, the whole world around us has shifted. Mm-hmm. You know, it is not the same world as far as like work environment for the bulk of people we know. And that was right. a trip, you know, rolling out of bed every day with the same call to action, but a whole new perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, a whole new perspective, and just like, um, I feel there's so many layers that we as therapists were already starting to see the effects this would have on people. Um, yeah, just to live in any amount of like fear or just yeah, trauma, like with a little t, yeah. Uh of things are not as they used to be and how do I cope? And yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember we got taught that concept and I was so eager when we were in our master's program and uh, I mean, I was working at the Salvation Army and we had gotten taught the difference between like in our books, right? Little T trauma and big T trauma, like the major <laughs> events. And uh, I remember one time we did handwritten notes at the Salvation Army and I wrote that in one of the files and my supervisor was like going around. She's like, who wrote little T trauma in one of the patient files? (laughs) And I was like brand new to it. I was like, not me. Who's who did that?
1: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) What would you write now instead?
0: Um, you know, probably depending on the nature of the trauma. It would be, you know, a diverse childhood experience. Um,
1: just more or, specific to what it was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think I'd refer less in the chart these days as to like an overt, like using like the word trauma, unless it was like under the master treatment plan or within like the plans or goals. Uh, I would probably like in the notations just kind of, <clears throat> you know, we explored the connections between like present moment and past traumas for the purpose of dot, dot, mm-hmm, dot. yeah right. I, I, more of like, Hey, what did we do in the room? Like mm-hmm. you were saying, like bringing those things into the present, like identifying what the patterns are now in the present so that we can make sense of what has happened in our past. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about that with a client uh, earlier, not to like give any information or anything, but like intervention wise, uh we're like gravitating and we've kind of done some work around the family tree and it was it's kind of that education around like hey remember when we like first looked at that family tree stuff and it was so confusing and now we see these dynamics that play out like at work or in a relationship right in a marriage or this and that it starts to make more sense right based on what we figured out on that family tree doesn't it? and it's just it's beautiful to see those connections made because It's, it's becomes clear that we do a lot of things unconsciously, but purposefully. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very interesting dichotomy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Really powerful once we have that insight about ourselves too, and how we're acting and why we're acting that way.
0: Do you have any um, of your favorite interventions that help individuals maybe have some of those insightful moments or, or just Mm -hmm. help like the, if
1: you, yeah. Yeah, there. well, it's so there's so much to cram in and for people to learn and the insight, right? And like those kind of concepts of how our past affects our present, it's so complex. And so I always start with a, a bit of a more um, initial like baby step into self-awareness. So I start with a little bit, something a little bit easier. And my favorite is... What is it? I don't even know what the real name of it is, but. You can name it right now if you want. I I call it the gingerbread man because it's the outline of a person. So imagine like a gingerbread Mm
0: -hmm. cookie cutter,
1: outline of a person. That's pretty
0: good. Outlining it in there.
1: Thank you. And (laughs) then I have them color in their emotions. So we list over, you know, anger, happiness, fear, sadness grief, joy, uh, whatever emotions feel appropriate for that person. And then I have them attribute a color to each emotion. And then I have them pause, reflect on just one emotion at a time, like anger, and do a body scan and just sort of sit back and notice where they experience that emotion in their body. Because emotions are such an abstract thing, but they are a real tangible thing that we experience in our minds and in our bodies and so I like to help people create an awareness of the connection of wow we hold our emotions in our body and where do we feel them when they come up and so I have them and then they can color or draw or do whatever shapes or designs to depict where they feel that emotion and then we just go through and do each one and so that's my favorite like just baby step into personal awareness oftentimes I'm surprised but actually I'm not really surprised but a lot of people don't actually have that initial awareness of where emotions are felt in their body and for listeners it's so it's so valuable to notice that because then you're not all of a sudden overcome by an emotion because you have the initial awareness of when it starts because it usually will start physically yeah yeah and it gives um, opportunity for you to have more control over your emotions too. So that's where it comes into play, and why I like to start there with clients. And it's one of my—I'm a very visual learner, and so I like the visual type interventions nice. and art therapy type stuff. So yeah, that's cool. the gingerbread man.
0: The gingerbread man. That's what we're going to call it. And I'm sure that's what it's called. If you go on like therapistaid.com where and all Google those resources it.
1: are, I'm sure it's right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I think it's so important too, right? Especially like in the sense of when we seek treatment, right? And I know that's a scary word, right? So I'll normalize it. I seek treatment as a therapist. I go to, I see my therapist every week. Me too. And so, like, yeah, it's so important, right? And, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't trade her for, you know, for anyone, <laughs> it's, it's, it really is worth it. And to be able to connect, right, that in the treatment process, not just like our artistic expression, but that somatic experience that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Where, where are these emotions originating in the body? Where are you feeling it? Right. It's such a, I think, such a safe and honest approach. You know, whereas like EMDR, right, um, the eye movement, rapid mm-hmm. desensitization, you know, whatever the, you know, the names mm-hmm. are for it is good for, I think, a, a certain percentage of people, right? But it's not, it doesn't, it's not gonna work for everyone, right? It's not gonna be an approach, but the one thing, right, like with something like somatic experiencing, like you were touching on is it originates somewhere, right? In a safe way to, I think, like you were saying, take those baby steps, just to identify through artistic expression, where am I feeling this in the body? And I, I liked how you were saying that, like take a pause and look within.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if I may, I'd like to speak to that, um, like being in personal therapy, do you mind? And it kind of ties into how you're asking me, how do I balance it all? How do I do it all? Um, So it took me a long time to get into personal therapy. And this will be speaking to any of your young moms who are listening, especially, because when you have a kid and young dads, when you have a kid, all of a sudden, It's like the most intense stressors are put on you and your relationship with your spouse. And it just brings up so much because you're going off of no sleep. You're physically exhausted. You're dealing with a baby that's crying, like major stressors in your household. So anyways, I knew that I needed and wanted to be in personal therapy because it's such a good practice as a therapist to be in our own therapy. But having a baby, I was like, I don't have time for this. I can't get out. I don't want to have to find a babysitter and then, you know, spend that extra time away from my kid and pay for babysitting on top of paying for therapy. So in comes quarantine. All of a sudden, all the therapists go online and are virtual. And I took advantage of that opportunity. So it's taken me this long. I've been wanting and needing to be in therapy myself for (laughs) quite a while, but it wasn't until quarantine that I was like, Oh, I I can do this. Like any therapist out there is available to me and I can see them while my kids are napping. And that is what finally like opened the door and paved the way for me to engage in this beautiful wonderful process and I can't even tell you how much and how quickly I've grown and and changed for the better and it's enhanced um, my work as a therapist and enhanced my relationship with my husband and my kids like obviously I'm you know, I'm not going to blow it up out of proportion or anything, but it, it really has been amazing. And it really, I, I guess I would just say this to anyone who has any sort of like time, drive time, um, child care obligations, um, work obligations. You can use your lunch break now for therapy because all of us therapists know how to do it online.
0: Yeah. yeah and, yeah, um,
1: cool. Yeah, and so that I guess I would just say like for people out there, like virtual therapy is wonderful. In-person is even better, but if you can't quite make it, a virtual is a great option, especially for moms out there because any moms who are listening know that we get to really rough spots mentally. And those are actually really useful things to bring into a therapy session and you can do a lot with it real fast.
0: I mean, it makes sense to me, right? Like, you know, obviously having zero experience rearing a child, <laughs> but you know, when, when things kind of get to their boiling point, those are the perfect moments. That's, it's like right yes. for the picking. Okay, cool. Yes. There it is. What is yes.
1: this? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, I, I like that you normalize to the, the virtual sessions because I think on top of right the stigma that already existed, you know now there's a whole another. I, I wouldn't call it a stigma as much as like a hesitancy. Mm. Like, I don't really want to try this online crap. You yeah, know, yeah. mm-hmm. then, then you know you're you got if you're in any type of like recovery realm, then you got like the Zoom stuff where like people's Zooms are being bombed and people are coming into like meetings and talking oh, smack, yeah, like yelling yeah. at people. So I, I think there's like a lot of hesitancy with the virtual world. Mm-hmm. But I love that you, you know, you, you talk about how approachable it is and, and mm-hmm. the way that we operate, you know, even on, on this podcast, we're recording it on zoom and it's mm-hmm. password protected, you know, and yeah. there's just so many beautiful ways that I, I think the world has met the call for because, you know, just seeing the necessity for mental health support right now, it's, yeah. it's been, it's been interesting, but also at the same time, like you were saying, like, it's been a doorway. I think an invitation for people to actually step through and get the support they need.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I agree.
0: So you started that in quarantine.
1: I did, and I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. There's,
0: there's the invitation right there.
1: There's the invitation.
0: Yeah. If you're if you're on the fence and you're you're hearing this, uh, jump on in.
1: The it's worth fine. it. <laughs> yep, it is. <laughs>
0: So I know you were just kind of touching on, right, you got your start in nutrition and now you're, you're working and going in the direction of couples, which I imagine will make it a lot easier to get your 3000 hours too. Cause I know that's a chunk people freak out about. It's like the child and couples section. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that been going well for you or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have, uh, well, first couple of years I was working in treatment drug and alcohol rehab and so I didn't have much exposure to kids or couples that our you know collection there Um, but now that I'm in private practice I am I don't have a lot of couples right now yet Um, that's okay I have quite a few minors and so that has been really good experience as well and you know, still being an associate and still working on the 3000 hours. I am really grateful to get experience in all different realms, you know, even aside from what I hope my focus will be one day because it just creates a greater base for me to go forward. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> cause I, I've been getting different types of comments on these podcasts, like a range of, of different humans listening to this. So, you know, and maybe you can put some context to this since you're actively in it, but we're essentially, we, we go through school, we do the years of that, and then we come out into the real world and they ask for years more of working as what well, used to be called an intern, but is now called an associate, is that correct? That mm-hmm. shift happened right, right after I got licensed.
1: Okay.
0: So, an associate is what they're calling it now.
1: Yep. Yeah, because yeah, we're not running around getting coffee like, you know, intern. <laughs> yeah. That word has such a connotation where we're not we're not doing that. We're working as an associate alongside our supervisor.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Are you are you a fan of you don't have to put your supervisor on blast. I'm not going to ask you to do that. <laughs> I was going to say, are you a fan of your supervisor? <laughs> no,
1: I would love to talk about my supervisor. She's okay. been amazing. Yeah. her who, name. Who is
0: are you working with?
1: Annie Broger. And so I work out of her suite office in Irvine, and she, ha- honestly, that supervision experience over the past year in and of itself has been therapeutic for me. She has such a way of um, making me feel like safe to show, because when you're learning, you want to be able to show your weaknesses, right in order to grow through them and where I may have wanted to be a people pleaser and be like, Oh, everything's fine. And I've got this. She has established a relationship with me where it's like, okay, here's, here's the hard part. Here's the part that I, I don't know what to do exactly or how, how sh- can I best handle this and care for my client? And she's just like right there to like, just lovingly come alongside me and support me. Yeah. And so, it's been wonderful and amazing. I really like her um, approach too. It's a little more like uh, the psychoanalytic, so it's and a little bit more like long, long-term work and um, coming out of working in treatment, I was working with clients for 30 days max because it was just um, an initial detox treatment center. And so I just went through clients like very quickly, I didn't get to settle in and do any of the long term work. So it's been really neat to come alongside and learn from someone who has a lot of experience doing the long term work so that I can establish and build relationships with my current clients where we can um, do that type. Of work, I guess it's hard to talk about this stuff knowing people who don't know what psychoanalytic is and even means. It's, yeah. But yeah.
0: Well, we we were I, I think it was Serena, other the one I call <laughs> Serena. Serena. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were talking about that where it's like there there's a shift I think in the field too of like um, not redefining what these things are, but like we have a new wave of therapists that are practicing these things in new and fun ways and doing essentially the same work and and making it more approachable, and, and also just having avenues like this on social media to be able to educate, like, what is long-term therapy, and, mm-hmm. and also knowing that, like, hey, there's these really big words out there, like, you know, so, like, working in trauma, I've worked with a lot of people who sit across from me who self-diagnose, you know, and, and I get it, I get it, right, WebMD is a powerful thing, mm-hmm. don't use it, don't go yeah. to WebMD, I do not recommend it, you'll make yourself sick, and, yeah. and being able to direct people away from that, and at times, right, being able to sit with a client and break out the DSM-5 and, okay, well, let's see what you meet and what you don't meet based on what you you're reporting to me or what you were experiencing and being able to, to provide that context of knowing you don't even have to know this big word. Basically, psychoanalytic, just think long-term therapy.
1: There you go. A lot of shit know. that we
0: know on the back end yep. that you don't got to concern yourself with. What we need you to know is the, the, the things that you're an expert on in your life.
1: yes that's so good I love that yeah
0: and so doing some of that long-term work you know I you touched on such a a crucial thing I was I was talking to some friends about too just today of like treatment is such a uh, you know turnover it's so quick Mm -hmm. uh, where you don't get to settle in you know and on one hand you know it's I get it you know, and I think there are a lot of um, necessities to having kind of shorter term treatments. But, you know, mm-hmm. I found in my private practice, I most definitely, and this maybe is our training, but I most definitely lean to long term treatment. And Jeez. especially like with what you were talking about of like getting down to the family of origin, family system stuff, and like getting into the healing. You know, because mm-hmm. we got to be able to sit. You got to be able to sit before you run. You know? Yeah. So that you realize that you don't have to run.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think those tools that we learn in doing sh- more of the short term therapy of the, you know, here are some ways to cope with anxiety or deep breathing techniques or here are some things to help you get going right now is good to carry into even the long term work because there's still those symptoms or things that discomfort where we have, okay, here's this tool, here's this thing. You can use this, practice this. This will help you feel more calm, more at peace, more centered. Um, in the meantime, while well, we get to some of those deeper rooted things. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, and you, you had posted something today that, um, you know, as you were talking about that, I, I thought about it because I just saw it before we started the podcast where it was like um, – the key analogy yeah yeah and you you posted it through art and and just to be able to like utilize those like quick little aha things of like well that makes sense or I can see it in my mind's eye like I'm curious right and this is kind of my like direction of going into your social media stuff is like yeah. how how you approach it what kind of like your forte is there what you like to do or, or kind of what you're exploring in that realm because I, I know it's it's I think a new realm for therapists to be in and, and I'm always just curious right as I'm exploring it too, to to get inspiration
1: yes yes I have such I feel like if Instagram or social media was a person I feel like I'm in a wrestling match with it sometimes yeah <laughs> because it's like I don't I'm one, not an influencer and I'm using air quotes, which is a lot of what I see on Instagram or the way it's geared is for people who are wanting to promote products or promote their business. And there's a certain game that you have to play in order to get into the logarithm, right. And have your posts shown. And I don't have the time energy or, um, passion for social media to jump into that game and so what I've tried to do is really focus in on what can I do what feels um, congruent with who I am and um, so I've kind of gone from there and I've been really quiet on Instagram the past few weeks because there's been so much going on that I've just been processing myself and I know there's a lot of content out there that people are already like really diving into and so I'm just letting them do that instead of, I didn't really feel like I needed to add much at the time. But then it kind of um, hit on me because influencers and such are really kind of, hitting on or talking about or promoting the current buzz and what's going on and in the world and all of that and I realized I what resonated with me was to talk to the undercurrent of what we're feeling of what society is facing and approach it from there and so that has been kind of where like that empathy post came from of like There's so many people trying to influence other people right now to change their minds and change their beliefs and change their behaviors. And a lot of the noise, it's like, okay, this could have some effect, but is it going to be long? Is it going to be lasting? Is it loving? Is it drawing connection in society or is it drawing division? So anyways, that's like where that inspiration came from of like, how can we actually, what's going on really right now? Um, And then previous post COVID and craziness, I was wanting to, um, what have I been posting about speaking to moms, young moms,
0: Yeah.
1: um, just kind of pinging off of some of the things that I noticed come up within myself and ways that I am coping with being a young mom as a therapist, it's like I already have a lot of tools that I use innately because when you go through grad school, you just sort of internalize a lot of really great tools. And so I've tried to step back and see, oh, okay, what what are my friends saying? What are they struggling with? Um, what are other people not doing that almost feels like second nature to me? And how can I look at that and see where I learned from being a therapist and going through grad school and how can I impart that information to other people so that they can use it too. Right. And so that's been a lot of my inspiration too on um social media. So I like like I said, I'm visual. Um, I don't like writing or articulating very much. So that's where drawing came in because concepts can be expressed or conveyed really quickly and easily
0: yeah. that way
1: um and or just doing like a video talking about things and that that's been a little bit easier for me than trying to do like a picture and then a long text underneath it so that's my that's kind of where I've journey through and what I'm wrestling through with social media right now and fit I figure it'll be for me in my mind I hold it as a landing place if there is anyone who wanted to look me up on Instagram there's a landing place like I am there I am adding content slowly but surely they can see I'm a real person and get a flavor of who I am off of that
0: well and that's that's what you know Like already, like you know, when I start compiling ideas, like who do I want to bring on and who do I want to talk to? Like, I had seen a few of your videos, and I was like, well, this is someone I've stayed in touch with over the years, and I really think that these videos, right? Some of the little things that you're posting, it's like, because you know, when I post content, I'll I'll get in my head of like, um, ah, no one wants to hear this, and then you realize, like, then you post it, and people are like, oh wait, hold on a second, I didn't even think about that. And when I was listening to yours, I was like, I got a lot of mommies. In my life, that are like friends and you know people that I I love and care about in my life. Like they need to hear some of this information because I think they'd like it, you know. And and maybe they will, you know. Maybe uh, they won't look at it. Who knows? But I want to give access to those people just like you're doing. And so when I saw your video, I was like, I got to get her on here because I like what she's talking about, and I know a lot of people who might like what she's talking about. So I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing those those nuggets, but also like you know. If you're open to it, I can put some of like your landing pages on the the Spotify kind of domain. Yeah. and we can, That way people have a place to land to see like, who is this voice I'm listening to and the stuff that I like here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would appreciate you doing that. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So utilizing art and doing some of these couples works. I imagine somewhere along the line, you picked up a book and we're like, okay. I can't put this down. Yes. What, what would you say in this field of mental health or just like in general, right? Like in, in the realms of like human growth is the most inspirational book you've ever read?
1: Yes. Well, I, current, I'm going to go with the current, uh, the whole brain child,
0: the whole uh, brain child,
1: the whole brain child. It's Daniel Siegel and oh, Peyton, I think, might be the last name. It's a co. There's a co-author with Daniel Siegel, Um, but it is fantastic. A really easy read and so helpful for parents. So it's talking about the development of kids, the way their brains develop, and the way their emotions develop, and how to support them through that growth. So it's really, yeah, user friendly. There are images, which I love, pictures and things to help teach and. Portray the ideas, or convey the ideas, and so, yeah, that's my current favorite, and I recommend that to a lot of my clients' parents because a lot of my clients are minors. Yeah, and I have found it's been helpful for me in treatment as well in working with kids. So yeah, that would be my top go-to.
0: Nice. And you you said there was the whole brain child or the full brain child.
1: Whole W H O E. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and and being able to make those like you were touching on when we first started the conversation is like being able to make those referrals to the family right? as a whole. And and I've always been a big proponent of that. Right. Like in in any sense of recovery is like, yes, one person is the identified patient and then you realize that the whole system is the patient. Yeah. And I've
1: learned to preface therapy that way for parents when they call in and ask for me to work with their child. And it's not appropriate for every family. Right. You know, not every parent should be or can be involved in that level. But for those who can and are open to it, I let them know, you know, parents are going to be involved and we're going to have parent sessions and I'm going to help you help your child. Yeah. And so that's been a really key thing that I've learned and I'm finding in the care of minors. It's, yeah, the parents can get involved and that just expedites the work that I'm doing yeah. with the child.
0: I think it's an important reminder, right? You know, for maybe clinicians that are coming into the field too and listening to this is like, I remember when I first started working at Olive Crest, I wasn't necessarily right off the bat thinking like, oh, I got to I gotta rope in these parents, you know? And mm-hmm. you, were, you would realize real quick, Right? You're, mm-hmm. you're not getting anywhere without the adults, uh, yeah. but it's just such a powerful reminder. You've got to rope the whole family. You know, it yeah. expedites the heal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To include them and empower them. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine there's a lot of mommies that are listening right now who are interested in becoming therapists or, or maybe are interested in pursuing a, a host of different careers that are probably feeling very empowered right now. And I appreciate mm-hmm. you bringing that in sharing that with I know my community um and, and as well as yours.
1: That's awesome. Thank you. Well I'm happy to help.
0: Yeah. Well if you're listening to this and you are on the fence, it sounds like Serena McCormick has her own private practice. And if you're thinking about right jumping off uh into the ether and into the unknown to seek your support and, and you're looking forward to that or or maybe you're hesitant about it, this is a therapist that I know will meet you where you're at and support you be the care that you deserve and that will help you in your journey. And so her contact information will be in the, in the link to this, uh, this episode. And I'm telling you, if you're looking for a therapist that you want to work with for couples, you got a minor who you're looking for some support with Serena is your therapist.
1: Thanks Alan.
0: Absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to do this.
1: My pleasure. You're doing a good thing.
0: Thank you. Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you for listening, and that's all we've got for you today.